always be my home no matter where I go no matter what may come you'll be my shelter in the storm a harbor safe and sound where only true forgiveness can be found but still I want to run away and go it all alone
As the ushers come forward, we prepared for the time during our worship when we celebrate, where we look back upon our week and realize that once again, God has met our needs, He's taken care of us, and He's supplied all and more abundantly than we could ever dream or imagine. Today, I'd like to share with you from the scriptures of 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. Here, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. And what a gift it is to be a steward of all that God has. And that he would share that and pour it out abundantly on us. And that we might celebrate with his opportunity to recognize all he's done. Would you please pray with me? Dear Lord, as we pause in your presence, we stop in this moment realizing once again, you have been faithful. Once again, you have met our need. And we have that we might give out of our excess. God, we love you and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.
somebody going to get that? I'm right in the middle of something here. All right, all right, I'll get it. Oh, it's you. Hold on, let me get my parents. I know they're around here someplace. Mother! Oh, you want to see me? What did I do? Whew, you really had me there for a minute. <laughs> so what do you want to talk about? Do I have time? No, no, not really. You see, Bonehead Carsons, I'm sorry, Professor Carsons, has this test that we have to do on Monday, so that's the reason why I came home, to study. Which, by the way, how did you know I was going to be here this weekend? You knew that I was going to come here before I decided to come? Wow. So, uh, do you know what's on that test? <laughs> That's for you to know and for me to find out. Of course, of course. Well, it's been nice talking to you, but got to get back to the books. Uh, you want to talk now? Okay. Uh, well, no, I, I'm really busy. I mean, things are kind of hectic right now. Like what? Well, I'm a senior and I have other things to worry about, of course, like sleeping, class, fighting with my parents, not to mention I got grades to keep up, resumes to type up, and girls to pick up. So as you can tell, I'm in an uptime right now. Why don't you get back to me when life's a little less hectic for me? Oh, Christmas? Oh, you know how Christmas is with family stuff and all. No, I was thinking maybe when I get a house and a job and a boat, now then I'll have a lot more time. Yeah, so why don't you get back with me then? Tell you what, why don't you call too before you come? Thanks. Lois, will you get that? I'm right in the middle of something. Lois! Never mind. I'll get it myself. Of course. Oh, it's you. Wait a minute. I'll get my wife. What? You want to see me? What do you want to talk about? Oh, I did say that, didn't I? Yeah, well, I have the house, and I've got the boat, but as you can tell, like, I'm, I'm really busy right now. I have some deadlines here, okay? Later? No, no. See, I promised the kids that I would play with them later, and you know how kids are. Yeah, you go to promise them something, and they never forget. So, anyways, i got to get back uh, to this. Later? I, I don't know. I mean, can I be forward with you? You'd like that, of course. All right, well, um, things are really hectic for me right now. I'm under a lot of pressure. I mean, I'm a, I'm a husband, uh, father of four, and not to mention I'm a vice president. So honestly, I could not take on anything else right now because it would just be a little 
unrealistic. I know I told you to come back, but I'm not ready. That's not to say that I won't be. I mean, I've set five, 10, 20-year goals for myself, and uh, you'd be happy to know. You are in there, but uh, right now I just need to direct all of my focus, my energies, towards something else, okay? All right, so thank you. When, then? <laughs> Boy, you are persistent, aren't you? <laughs> I tell you what, why don't you let me finish uh, this paperwork here that I need to get to, and uh, I'll regroup. We'll get back later, okay? In fact, why don't you call my secretary and schedule our next appointment, all right? Thanks so much. Huh. Right on time. Oh, oh, hold your horses. I'm coming. I'm coming. My, you are punctual. Well, I've been waiting for you, so come on in. Where's my wife? You mean you don't want to see me? Now that's funny. Come on in and sit down. Uh, yep, the kids are grown. I'm retired and, oh, I still have that boat. I kept it for the grandkids. Oh, you're taking your shoes off. You going to stay for a while? Oh, you'd like to do this on a regular basis. Well, that's an option. You know, I was thinking more like every now and then, like uh, say on a Sunday between 11 to 12. <laughs> what do you mean that's not enough? You want more time? Now don't you think that's a little bit too demanding? Boy, I'm, I'm in my senior years now. I mean, of course it's my own time, but look, I have got to have a break. I've been keeping up with obligations all my life with all these appointments and, uh, oh, would you look at the time? <laughs> well, I got to keep going, but uh, thanks for stopping in and uh, tell you what, uh, oh, you want to see me again? Well, if you don't see me on one of those Sundays, I tell you what, how about I look you up, okay? <laughs> oh, and uh, don't call me, I'll call you. got up on Sunday morning, went to the church at 10. I listened to the words that I'd heard time, time and again. The preacher spoke of sinful lives, it seemed he spoke of mine. But I thought I had plenty of time. Plenty of time to decide where I'm bound To eternal darkness or to a heavenly crown 
Jesus, every day of my life. 
Of all the habits we develop in our lives, it seems that procrastination is one of the very worst of them. You know, the reason I say that is because only Satan gets great use out of a neutral person. Now, you just think that through for a minute and you'll realize how true it is. Only Satan can get great use out of a neutral person. When we forget what we believe in and why we believe it and what that requires of us, we suddenly lose our effectiveness. And in that, we will be disappointed. You see, the book of James speaks to this very issue in James chapter 4, verse 17, as it reads, anyone who knows the good that he ought to do and does not do it, he sins. You know, so oftentimes we talk to children and we get to work with them in Sunday school and we say, hey, young people, can you tell me what is sin? And they say, that's when you do bad things. Sin's when you do bad things. And then comes along James and says, no, sin, my friend, is when you know a good thing and you don't do it. Isn't that fascinating what James says? Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, but procrastinates and puts off till tomorrow what he needs to do today, he sins. Because the moment has passed and we can't get it back and that opportunity may never come again for us to do good when we see it. You know what he says? He says when we see good, when we see an opportunity, when we have that chance to love on somebody and we don't do it, we make the biggest mistakes in our lives. You see, sin is not only doing wrong, but sin is sometimes not doing right. So I asked you, is it a sin to lie? I could ask little children, hey, is it a sin to lie? And they would all say, yes, Brother Amar, it's a sin to lie. Is it also not a sin to know the truth and not tell it? Is it not a sin to know the truth about Jesus and not tell it? To talk to people every day in every way and not share with them the truth that Jesus is coming and coming soon. Is it not wrong for us not to tell everybody the good news of why we have the hope we have? Is it not wrong for us to store it up in a jar and keep it for ourselves and put off till tomorrow what we're going to do until we never do it at all? Have you ever heard the saying that the road to hell is paved with good intentions? Ooh, that's kind of a harsh statement. And you want to just dismiss it right away. Oh, but then you say, you know, there's a lot of truth in that. I just looked up this week to make sure that these numbers were still accurate. And sure enough, nearly 96% of all Americans proclaim they believe in God. 96% of all Americans now today proclaim they believe in God. But only about half of them have ever done anything about it. You see, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. They all intend to do something about it. They all believe in God, therefore they've come to the place in their heart where they decided they're going to meet him one day and they need to get ready, but this is just not the day. You see, over half of all the people who believe in God don't do anything about it. And there is the crisis that we find ourselves in. In the Bible, it's very clear that putting off till tomorrow... The right relationship with God is just about the surest way possible. You can guarantee you will never make that decision. 
I see people in the pews holding on for dear life come invitation time. But then, you know, I think next week they'll be coming because I saw them under deep conviction this week. Next week they'll be coming. And the next week I see them and they're anxious, but they're not squeezing the pew near as hard as the week before. And within two or three weeks, they're unaffected by the call of God. You see, the more times we say no to God, the easier it becomes. The more times we turn away from the things we know we should do, the easier it becomes for us to ignore those things altogether. How many ever had a project or something going in your house and it was driving you crazy, you just wanted to get it done, but you got tired and you said, I'll do that later, and you quit? And you walk by that every time, like at my house, we have a new bathroom framed in there. We've got it all framed in, gonna finish that. It's a little bitty room. It's the smallest room in our house. It should be the easiest one to get done. It's not done. You know, the first week that wasn't done, it almost drove me crazy. Second week that wasn't done, it bothered me a little. The last two months, I haven't noticed it isn't done. <laughs> then I wrote this message. Now I'm about to finish my bathroom. Right? That's the way it is. It's the same and has always been this way. When we look in Acts chapter 26, we see a story of Festus and King Agrippa. And it's a real challenge. If you've never studied through Acts 25 and 26, when, when Paul finds himself in prison and he's brought before Festus and then he's brought before King Agrippa and he speaks to them the truth about God, oh my goodness. The first thing Festus does is come under deep conviction. And as he comes under deep conviction, he says, go away from me. I'll call you back when it's more convenient. That more convenient never came for Festus. And then Festus was replaced and King Agrippa came on field. He wanted to introduce him to this man named Paul. And that's where we find the story taking place today in chapter 26, verse 24. And he, Paul begins to preach. And as he does at this point, Festus interrupted Paul's defense. And he says, you are out of your mind, Paul. He shouted, your great learning is driving you insane. I am not insane, most excellent Festus, Paul replied. What I am saying is true and reasonable. The king is familiar with these things, and I can speak freely to him. I am convinced that none of this has escaped his notice because it was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, you do believe the prophets. I know you do. Then Agrippa said to Paul, do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul replied, short time or long, I pray God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am except for these chains. How many of you have heard that story before where Agrippa said, Paul, did you really think you could convince me to become a Christian in just one conversation? Yes, <laughs> I was hoping and praying that maybe I could, right? And Paul says, short time or long time, I don't care. I just want you to know the truth. And you see, when he talked to Agrippa, he asked him a really neat question. You believe in the prophets, don't you? Then do something about it, says Paul. Hey, you believe in God, don't you? Americans, you believe in God, don't you? Those of you who are here in the church today, you believe in God, or you wouldn't be here, certainly. You believe in Jesus, don't you? You believe that Jesus was real, don't you? You believe that Jesus came and was born of a virgin and lived on the earth 
You believe that he walked the streets of Jerusalem and he taught the Bible to the people and opened their eyes to the truth? You believe he challenged the Romans and was crucified and died on a cross, right? And you believe, as I do, he was buried in a tomb and three days later he rose from the grave. Hallelujah, he rose because we believe life does not end at death. And Jesus is the proof, the proof of that reality. And we believe that, don't we? I know you do, says Paul. I know you do. I know you do believe that. Now what are you going to do about it? That was Paul's question. What are you going to do about it? Well, Brother Amar, do you expect me to become a Christian in such a short time? Short time or long time? I hope and pray, not only you, but everyone who's listening today, watching our program on TV all across the state, I hope they, too, become as I am, a believer in Jesus Christ, who has bowed my knee and accepted the truth that he is Lord of my life. I've received the gift of the Holy Spirit and been born again, a new creation. And because of that, I tell you, hey, good news. Let's do something about that. As we begin to look in the Bible and we begin to see the truth, I want you to understand that salvation is not a one-time little experience. And it's all done from there. Many people seem to think, I'm going to wait till I'm nearly to the grave and I'm been given notice by the doctors that I have three months and then I'm going to get serious about Jesus, get myself saved and get in. Well, it wouldn't be a bad plan to work for the thief on the cross really, but it's not really as good a plan as you think because you see salvation is a process that gets better over time. We in theological schools have learned all kinds of neat terms that we like to share when we talk about salvation like regeneration and sanctification and glorification. Right? You've heard those terms before, haven't you? Boy, what is salvation? Well, it's sanctification and then glorification, regeneration. It's all these things. What does that actually mean? It's a process. You see, first we are regenerated. We're born again a new creation. We're not retreaded like an old tire. God doesn't take a worn out old tire and polish it up. And turn us out new. He doesn't clean us up, dust us off, and set us back on our feet again. No, we are a new creation in Christ. Brand new. And a brand new day and a brand new beginning. A whole new opportunity. A whole new way of life. That's the regeneration. When you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. When you ask him to come into your heart. When you call him Lord and accept him as Lord. He enters your heart. And he sends the gift of the Holy Spirit. Not the spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love and self-discipline to help you to overcome the things in the world that are enslaving you. That's the regeneration. And then we move through a stage where we begin to slowly but surely change as we study the scriptures, as we read and we pray, as we try to live out those teachings in our lives and we are challenged by the world and all the things that go in it. Day by day, we begin to change. I'm a much different person today than I was 27 years ago. I'm much different than I was seven years ago. 
I continue to grow. I continue to, to change. I continue to be molded and shaped into his likeness. That's called sanctification. Everybody, that's a big fancy word, isn't it, for living out your life for Jesus, becoming more and more like him, earning more and more rewards for yourself when you get there. And then one day, and no one knows when that day is, but that day, our number will be up. And we will see him face to face. And we will be as he is. And that, my friends, is glorification. You see, salvation is a process. It's an experience. And you will be more disappointed on that day than any other day of your life if you wait till the last minute to get started. If you put off to one day not making that decision, you're going to be disappointed because you're going to have missed out on the experience of sanctification. You see, the Bible gives us three really good reasons we need to get at getting saved today. We need to get at doing the right things today. We need to get at being a Christian today. Not put it off till tomorrow or the next day or the next day, but today, right now, right here, right here in the present moment. Let's get real. Let's get serious. Let's get with it. And there's three really good reasons for that. And number one is the uncertainty of life. No one knows the number of our days but God. No one knows the number of your days but God himself. In Job chapter 14 verse 5, here's what the word of God says. Men's days are determined. You have decreed the number of his months and you have set limits. He cannot exceed. Again, Jesus wants us to understand the same truth. In Luke chapter 12, verses 16 through 20, Jesus told us this story. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man, it produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for you many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? In this story, you know, there are so many messages but there's only one I want you to hear today. He said, I have plenty of time. God said, you have no time. One of them was telling the truth. The other was living a lie. And what did it cost him in the end? You see, this very day, in the midst of our congregation, we're celebrating an answer to our prayers. This morning my phone rang early. Don Kraft's on the line. His little Katie, granddaughter, received a new heart last night. And she's doing just fine. Oh, we as a congregation today, we celebrate that one of our own will see more days. In a congregation somewhere in this country today, this very moment, this very hour, this day, devastated beyond anything they know, 
one of their little ones, a child, is gone. They didn't expect it. They didn't see it coming. It caught them totally by surprise. They never dreamed or imagined her day's number was one. And we, in our celebration, pause to pray for them that they might know peace because only God and God alone can bring a victory out of this kind of defeat. You see, life is short. It's just a vapor. It comes and it goes before we know it. And we had better be quick about getting done those things that are priorities to us. You see, life is short. James chapter 4, verse 14 reminds us that life can pass us by like a vapor. He says, why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. You see, life is short. We have very little time. Even those who live to be a hundred have but very little time to do all the good that needs done in this world in which we live. And when it comes to our relationship with God, there's no time like this time to get real. And third, I want to remind you all of this truth. It seems in our busy days and our busy worlds, our church has forgotten this one great promise. Jesus is coming back. He's coming and he's coming soon. And the sky is going to crack. And the world's going to see it. And for all who haven't done something about it, it's going to be too late. Jesus himself says in Matthew chapter 16, verse 27, For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. I chose this text on purpose because that day he's going to reward everyone on what they have done with the truth that he was coming soon. Jesus is coming. What do we do about that? Well, I got some really good news for you. Come straight from the scriptures. Many times you hear us say it so often that you think we may have made it up ourselves. But hey, today is the day of salvation. And the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 1 and 2 he says I tell you now is the time of God's favor now is the day of salvation now is the time and now is the day this is it my friends this is the day of salvation don't put it off don't turn away don't look back look up don't look down don't look away Jesus is coming and he's at your door. He's knocking. He's asking. He's pleading to come in. You see, dear friends, this is your chance to do something about what you know. Hey, friends, we know Jesus was real. We know he died for our sins. We know he was born of a virgin. We know he walked on the water. He healed the sick. He raised the dead, and he and himself died for our sins and our transgressions. He has blotted out our transgressions for his own sake. 
He was buried, but he rose again. I know you believe it. Now, what are you going to do about that? Because he's coming back, and he will reward you for what you do this day for him. Will you pray with me? Dear Lord, as we pause in this moment, as we prepare our hearts to hear your knock at the door, I pray that you would move among us, that as we gather in your house that bears your name, as we stand in your presence, that your presence among us would be so powerful that it would be like a cool breeze on a summer's day. I pray that you would move in our midst with great power and conviction. And if any are here who don't know you as Lord and Savior, they've never followed you in believer's baptism, they've never made their public profession of faith, God, this would be the day of salvation for them. That you would work in their heart, that you would convince them you're real, and that they would choose to do the right thing and follow you. God, for all of us who know you, but have forgotten our purpose for being, may you convict us to go and tell, and tell the good news of you and what you've done for us to this very day. God, if you're working any way in our lives, we pray that we would be open to you, that we would move mightily to follow you with all we do. And these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As we stand for a hymn of invitation, I'd ask for you to stand with me, but most of all, I'd ask for you to join me right here at the front of this pulpit. If God is speaking to you, won't you come? This is a day of salvation. Today is a day. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, your Lord and Savior, you've never accepted him, you've never followed in believer's baptism, you've never bowed a knee to him, this is the day that, that, that the pulpit and the area is open for you. This is the day, won't you come? If you're here in our midst and God's been talking to you about the mission field or, or something personal in your life, Hey, this altar is open. Come and pray. Come find the answer. Don't wait another day. Won't you come?
This afternoon, if we have any students or parents of students, grandparents of students, just a reminder that youth choir is at 5 p.m. this afternoon. And then we want to remind you about our fish fry that's coming up. It's a fun and fresh fish fry, front and fresh fry. Uh, it's going to be, uh, music's going to be done before at 6 p.m. Uh, by Chris and Cindy Hess, uh, Mike and Buddy Helton, and Daniel Windsor. That's going to be on Sunday night, the 18th at 6 p.m. right here in the church. And then we're going to have a fish fry afterwards. Now, here's the important part. We need some fish. Okay? So uh, if you have not been fishing, we'd love to have uh, you do some fishing between now and then. We need you to bring the fish to the church by the Friday before. That's the 16th. So if you can make sure you bring those by the church so that we make sure that we have enough here that uh, evening for you. But we're excited to have you come out for a great night of music and also to uh, fellowship. Okay? And then the Experiencing God uh, series is going to be starting on Thursday, August the 29th at 6.30. It's going to be taught by Brother M.R., and I believe that's going to be in the Fellowship Hall. And so we want to encourage you to come out and get involved with that. It's going to run for 13 weeks. It'll be over before the holidays, so we want you to come out on Thursday nights this fall and uh, make sure you get excited about that, okay? They're, they've canceled Thursday night football, by the way, for the whole <laughs> fall. No, I'm just kidding. But... Uh, you know where you should be, all right? All right. Well, we hope you have a wonderful day. Uh, our students, again, are finishing up their uh, uh, summer uh, break. They're all headed back to school. We've had some of our college folks head off this week, and then our students, for the most part, some have already started back at various schools. Some will be starting next week and the majority of the week after, so pray for them as they head back. All right, Charles, you got anything? All right, we hope you have a blessed day in the Lord. See you this evening. <laughs>